0: Why are you so pissy? Why are you so pissy? Why are you so pissy?
2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Better Late Than Never, Episode 3. I am Bag Milk, and I'm good and pissy.
0: Why are you so pissy?
2: A lot has happened this week with the Edmonton Oilers, despite the fact that there's only been one game. So we're just going to jump right into it. A lot to get to. First of all, I want to thank our friends at Arcadia Brewing Co., Check them out on Instagram and Twitter, Arcadia Brewing Co. and on their website at Arcadia Yeg Y-E-G. That is ArcadiaYEG.com. Get everything that you need from them. They've got trivia coming up on Monday, the 24th, at 7.30. It's 10 bucks a team, one to four players per team. Get your entries in. They are talking about it right now, my friends at Arcadia. Why are you so pissy? Well, Jim, I'll tell you why I'm pissy. Because the Edmonton Oilers lost arguably their worst game of the year against the Ottawa Senators on Saturday. And as a result, the nation is upset. So we're going to dive right into it. I've got a lot to get to. I've got Jason Greger coming up here in just a second or just a couple of, uh, just a couple of minutes, I should say. So let's dive into the news. Welcome to the news. Bag Milk reporting live from Bag Milk Manor. Live in Edmonton, Alberta. It is 9,000 degrees below zero. It was in the plus temperatures just a few days ago, and then it started raining. How does that happen? I have no idea. As I mentioned earlier off the jump, the Oilers had arguably what I think is their worst loss of the season. I'm going to talk about that a little bit with Gregor coming up in a couple of minutes, but it was just a tough one, man. Through 40 minutes, the Oilers were winning 30, uh, 3 to 1, I should say 30 to 1, 3 to 1. Everything looked in control, and then the third period just fell off in a massive way, allowed five goals against, ended up blowing the lead, blowing the game, losing 6-4. It was a complete disaster, and I don't know what we can do about it. I don't know what needs to change here, but I promise you this is one of the ugliest losses we'll ever see. Now, when The very next day, a bunch of the players were asked about it. Connor looked completely dejected in his post-game interview. Dave Tippett looked upset. Leon was upset. Again, we'll get to that some more. But one beacon of hope, one guy who shone through like a beacon of light was Brendan Perlini. When he stepped up, I think it was the next day. Correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. JSBM Bag Milk on Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong. But when when uh, Brendan Perlini stepped up to the microphone, he brought a little bit of levity, a little bit of clarity, and a little bit... Of positivity, you know, especially at this level, it can be like so scrutinized or under a microscope per se of like, oh, not doing X, X, and X, or you're doing all those. Things. You know, it, sometimes it's it's too much where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, it's hockey. Go out there, play, play like you're you're on the pond like a kid and enjoy it, have fun, be positive, and you know, good things will happen. Uh, you know, I think if it's if it's the other way and you're you're carrying negativity and bad attitudes or things like that, it can obviously go down. But the more, you know, you bring that positive energy and spirit, uh, you know, it's, I'm a big believer in law of attraction. So whatever you think about, you bring about. Brendan Perlini, a lot of people gave him some love for his positive attitude. A lot of people gave him some love for, despite the fact that he hasn't been playing a whole lot, he's contributing right now. He doesn't seem to let that ju- uh, affect his play. But you know what? It's a results-driven business. And for Oilers fans, it is hard for them to get excited about losses, even though maybe there are some good things that happened in there. But the reality is there was a lot of things that went wrong. And while I do appreciate Brendan Perlini just giving a little bit of uh, positive thinking in there, he talked about the law of attraction, which I appreciate as well. I, I don't know that it's going to go a whole... All that, all that far, depending on what happens on Thursday. You know, it, if the Florida Panthers come into town tomorrow, we're recording, I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, by the way. I don't know that anything is going to get any better despite guys like Brendan Perlini being like, this is part of the process. We need to work through it. We need to learn how to win as a group again. Why are you so pissy? Again, I mean, that's the, that's the quote of the day. That is the quote du jour around the nation right now and with good reason because this happened. The losses now. Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own
1: mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope.
2: You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your yeah, question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not very good one. Okay. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated?
1: Yeah, it's a great thing for sure. Good.
2: Yeah. <laughs> How awkward was that exchange, you know? Only,
1: it's only a game. Why you have to be mad?
2: I'll tell you why we have to be mad, uh, Briz, is because the Oilers have lost 12 of 14 games. Why is Leon so pissy? I imagine that had something to do with it, you know? I imagine having that many losses tagged in is a big reason. Why are you so pissy? I think that is it. I think that Leon is unhappy. I know we got asked the same question a couple of times. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Jim went there. I'll ask Jason Greger about it when he jumps on with me, but... As far as a soundbite goes, that one is as good as it gets. I don't know that we've ever had a soundbite quite like that. And as we do at Oilers Nation, we turn that into a t-shirt real quick. So if you want a We Are All Pissy t-shirt, which I encourage you to get because it is the hottest tee of the season, you got to go over to nationgear.ca and grab one and do it quickly. Otherwise, you will miss out. This is a one run and done. And uh, to be honest, they're moving. They are moving. When we came up with the idea to take you behind the scenes, that press conference went on. I tweeted out, we are all pissy. That started to draw some attention. That tweet started to move a little bit because you know what? Leon's pissy. Of course he is. The team keeps losing. We're all pissy. We're all feeling like it. We are all upset about what's going on with the Oilers right now. So why are you so pissy? Well, I mean... There's plenty of reasons. There are plenty of reasons, and I don't know that it's necessarily a mystery. These losses don't sneak up on you, do they? No, 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 they don't. They don't, my friends. They just do not. And let me tell you one thing. The nation is as spicy as I've seen it in my time covering this team. I've been a fan my entire life, but I've been covering the team with the OilersNation.com for about a decade or more. I don't know if I've ever seen it like this. So that's another thing that I'm going to ask about with Jason Greger when he joins the podcast here shortly. Again, if you want a pissy tee, this is a, this is a one run and done. If you want one, don't wait. Get over to NationGear.ca and check it out because these will be gone and they will not come back. I promise you that. So get one while you can and see what you can do. Oh, hello. Today's guest on Better Late Than Never. You know him from the Jason Greger Show. You know him from OilersNation.com. You know him from the DFO rundown. Recording Mondays and Fridays. Jason Greger, thanks for jumping on with me, sir.
1: BM, how you doing? I'm excited to have you. It's very confusing. It's very confusing because as I know that this is audio, but we're on Zoom and I can see you. And it says and I know your real name and it says your name and I almost called you by your name. Like you should put you should put on your tag bag milk. It's confusing. Well, I, I'm gonna change that right now just to make sure that we are both on the same page here,
2: even though we have been working together for a long time. Appearances matter. There we go. Yeah. There we go.
1: There you go, uh, exactly. Cause yeah, and I know I know that you want your identity very hush hush. So I don't wanna I don't wanna expose you.
2: Honestly, at this point, it is the worst-kept secret around this city in terms of at least people that follow the website. If you come to an event, I mean, I'm going to meet you, so probably a worst-kept secret. Jason, we're going to talk about the Oilers. Obviously, it is a barn on fire right now. But first, when I told Wanye last night that you were coming on the podcast today, I said I had an idea for a story that I wanted to get your take on. The Nation Now has been around a long, long time. Back in November... Playmaker acquired it outright. I've heard this version of the story from Wanye and Jay. I've heard their version of the pitch to you to join Oilers Nation originally all those years ago. I've heard their version of the story. So I thought it would be interesting to get your take on what those early meetings are like with Wanye and Jay. Trying to convince you to join Oilers Nation. But before you get into your side of it. I checked back in with both of those boys last night, so I've got some quotes from them that I need addressed, and I'm hoping you can jump in with this. Now, All right. from Wanye, he said meeting number one took place at arguably the fanciest restaurant in the city, which we all know is Century Grill. The question for you, Jason Greger, do you still believe
1: that Wanye was right, taking you to Century Grill? Yes, he's correct. It was on uh, Calgary Trail. It's like, a, it's like a buffet place now. <laughs> that's what he said. He's just like, what I thought was the fanciest restaurant in Edmonton
2: is now a buffet place. And that's where we yeah. took Gregor to try and show him that we met business.
1: Yeah. I don't know S- if it was that fancy, but it was, I, I live close in the South Side. So I think we, and I think at the time, I uh, was living South Side. So we just, we just went and met there. So at, at, the, at that stage of our lives, we might have thought it was the fanciest restaurant. Second,
2: I checked in with Jay last night, and he said, actually, you know what, buddy? There were two meetings. Gregor big-timed us at Century Grill, and it wasn't until we took him to the Hudson's White Ave patio when we finally tricked him to joining us. Is this true, Jason Gregor? Did you big-time them in medium in meeting one?
1: Uh, well, I guess what's what's the definition of big-time? I was there. Um, I, I thought the meeting went pretty well. I remember it. Um, I, I think I caught them off guard in the meeting because... Um, I didn't big time them they asked me to write and at that point I had owned my radio show for a few years so I had a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and I liked kind of what they pitched so I countered and said well can I buy in and I don't think they were ready for that so they needed the second meeting because you know <laughs> I surprised them with that so I, I don't know if I would call that big time I, I I always laughed she's like you know we didn't think that would remotely be a possibility but um you know what uh, really knew the internet like Jay's the business guy really knew the internet quite well. And obviously it was, a, uh, you know, it was something that I, I thought obviously would grow not to the level of it, the, that it went to. And, you know, and Jay were both really passionate about it. And and I think, you know, their passion was really kind of what sold me more than anything else. It was, I wanted to get into more writing at the time I'd been written in sports scene and doing a little bit of stuff here and there, but, um, I want, you know, writing's a little bit more permanent, right um when you're on the radio show you, you have good ideas but if somebody missed it you know people can um always link to articles nowadays you know back then you got to remember my show wasn't podcast like it is now right mm-hmm. like there wasn't archived where you could go back and listen to it so it's different now than it was back then but um yeah it really intrigued me so definitely didn't big time them i, I think i surprised them more than anything else Look looking back
2: now uh again The nation is now part of the playmaker family and that got picked up back in November. Looking back now, all those years ago, did you ever kind of imagine it turning into what it did where Oilers Nation now is a staple for so many people in terms of their, just their daily sports lives?
1: Well, I I knew Edmonton fans were always passionate, so I, I wasn't surprised by that, um, you know, I I'm more surprised that Wanye, you know, stopped writing. Where the hell is he? Let's have a whole segment is, about that. Right? This like, is a conversation. Like, did the guy get carpal? Did he get did he get carpal tunnel syndrome or something? Like suddenly he can't write. But anyway, um, I say that somewhat in jest. He's fairly busy. But um, you know, I'm I'm not really surprised. Uh Edmonton sports fans like are different than than a lot of other markets. Like they're just they're very passionate. Um I I think what Orders Nation did well in the beginning was, you know, it had guys that were um, literally fans like, you know, Wanye could speak to, to the everyday fan like yourself. And, uh, and then they mixed in more of reporting stuff. And, and it seems to, to have a good combination of, of the two. Obviously, when it started, um, you know, I never thought it would, we would grow and suddenly we'd own hockey fights and then we'd own daily face off and, you know, NHL numbers and Puckpedia and, and all those other sites. That wasn't part of the original plan and pitch from, <laughs> but, but I will say that <laughs> to, a big visionary guy and i do remember not in our first or second meeting but probably eight months down the road we, you know we would go out and um you know we'd meet usually we'd have the meetings the three of us when we realized we didn't have any sales and so then we'd have to get some sales to pay the bills <laughs> so it was you know the first few years was was kind of fly by the seat of your pants because obviously i had my own company and, and jay had their own other companies and it was kind of a, a hobby really to begin and then we would geez guys like we need some so then we put our heads together and go out and cold call some people and get some sponsors. And then that would run good for a while. And, um, there was always, you know, like anything, people see the finished product. Um, like any business person out there listening that behind the scenes stuff can be, can be the most stressful. You know, the writing part was easy. Right. That was kind of the fun stuff. Um, it's, and as as you've gotten more involved in it, I think you would agree that it's the behind the scenes stuff to make everything work that is extremely challenging and difficult at times. But the, you know, the growth (laughs) always, he, I remember he said a number goes, I really think we can grow to this. And I'm like, you're delusional. (laughs) Right. But he, and and he was, but he was actually, do you remember any of those numbers early on? Do you remember like some of those early visions would be like, get out of here. There's no, (laughs) Honestly, thought I remember when when I bought in, he was like, you know what? I honestly think like in a few years, the way the internet is, like, we could sell our company for, I think he said like two million dollars, and I was like, okay, and I was like, hey, great, buddy, sure, that would that would have been fantastic even at that level, and then um, you know just continued to grow, and I think one time he threw out even five, and then ultimately, it, you know, it sold for a ridiculous amount of money, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So it really is, um, you know, it was it's been a really fun journey and, and really with and Jay, obviously we became pretty good friends too. That's what, that's what kind of made it more fun. And, you know, we have a lot of other business ventures and, um, you know, had a lot of fun parties and different things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's been, it, it turned out a lot better and bigger than I probably ever initially imagined it would.
2: Well, one of the things about Weather's nation is just the community surrounding the website is also endlessly fascinating because like you said we throw the parties we throw the events we raise money for charity it's not just about reading about a hockey team at this point it's grown well beyond that as we saw yesterday which we're going to dive into here with the pissy tees that we've now got going up uh every it's the hottest Uh... fashion of the season here in January 2022 so we're just going to dive into that uh yesterday on Twitter I asked I said Jason Greger's coming on the podcast what kind of questions do you got for him the overwhelming question that everybody was asking was about hard questions in the media you're in the media you sat in those press conferences you've asked the questions yourself what's your take on what does a difficult question even mean to you Gregor
1: well, I, usually when someone says ask a hard question, I say okay, what's a hard question? And then they write back. I'm like, well, that's not really a hard question. So the the, the interesting thing is, yesterday had nothing to do with a hard question because the question Jim Matheson asked, asked Drysaddle, he asked Nurse and Tippet too. right? um, hey, you know, I I don't like to dive into you know if two guys don't get along. Um, I've had my own um tate that tate if you want to call it with players over the years rarely over a question they'll it was over some other things and you know leon and i had a really good f youth one day to each other in the room and the, the difference is no one ever sees it right that's on yeah. zoom and so it, it becomes bigger um, people will disagree and you know somebody feels like hey you know what maybe you've been annoying me with your questions for a while and the other guy thinks well you've been annoying me with your answers and so usually it comes to a head and then they, they talk it out. And like, I can only talk from my experiences, you know, with Leon. It really it didn't even have a question to do with me. I can't, it, the topic I think was about Zach Cassian. And somebody had asked a question in the dressing room the day earlier. And it wasn't even me. And I just happened to be back then when the room was open, like they'd room in. It was like a herd, right? The media standing outside the room, they open the room and you just walk in. And I just happened to be the first guy that day. Usually I'm not the first guy in the room. And I just happened to walk in the room and and Leon and I get along and I saw him and he, and he looked at me and he goes, you guys are, Evan idiots. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, that's dumb. And I just looked at him and I'm like, Hey dude, I didn't ask that question. So don't call me. And, and my biggest pet peeve is I can't stand when people say the media, I only speak for Jason Greger. I don't speak for any other media member. They all speak for themselves. I don't agree with every, every person's article or, or their take, like, give me a break. Of course not. I only can speak for myself. So anybody, when they try to lump in the media, I instantly am like, dude, you have no idea or girl, you have no idea what you're talking about. You're uninformed. If you have a beef with Jason Greger, then say, hey, I don't like that Greger said this. I have no problem with that. Ask me directly, but don't don't lump me in with other people when you don't know if I agree with them. And the other thing is I'm not in the business of going now, I'll disagree with someone, and I'll have no problem. If someone has a real a take that I don't agree with, I'll say, "Hey, I don't agree with that," and that's, they don't have to agree. I'm not chummy with every media person, like. That's impossible right in a dressing room not everybody on the team gets along like mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm a little bit i look at it as it's still a competition you're you're competing with other media people in my eyes you can be respectful sure right i'm respectful but i'm not i i don't agree with every line of question that someone asks and some days i'm just like oh my goodness i would have never asked that question and that's that's fine but the when i when i hear someone say tough question like what's div- i think a lot of people believe tough questions should mean insulting and yelling combative at yeah. the person right and it's been like, hey ken holland you're an idiot like how did you not know mike smith was getting injured oh really like i love that that's the new line thing well he should have known oh really so should he have known that ryan nugent hopkins would get injured like at what level is the age automatically more injury prone you don't know that sedeno chara is he injured And he's five years older than Mike Smith. So how many years older is Tom Brady? That guy plays forever. Now, Mm. maybe Mike Smith has got to start bathing in some of those oils that Tom Brady's bathing in. I'm not Mm. sure. But the to me, predicting injuries is a great thing to say after the fact. That's all. So um, the the Oilers' construction of their team, obviously it hasn't panned out. A lot of it's on goaltending injuries for sure. But I also think now there's more questions. I've written the article about, you know, some of the deployment by the coaching staff. Yep. And to me, you, you can ask a respectful question, and but you can't get the answer, right? Like I can ask the question 10 times. Some people want to hear Ken Holland say, I messed up. So until he says that, they're never going to be satisfied. But I can't get him to say that. I could ask the question a million times. I can only ask the question. You can only ask the question. And then it's up to the guy to give the answer he wants.
2: I think it's really interesting, too, that, I mean, I've never asked. I've asked a couple of questions. This is of Todd McClellan back when he was doing something with Sports Central. That's the only time I've ever asked a head coach a question. But for a lot of us that are just on the fan side of the argument, We've never asked anything to somebody's face. So I find it very easy from my side of the fence just to be like, oh, I would have said this. I would have said that in a press conference when really it doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. And hey, um, I've never I always like to approach it. I I like to think that I'm fairly level headed at it. Um, I believe the NHL is really hard. I respect jobs that are hard. And I don't believe in insulting someone to say, oh, like any, it's like when people analyze a player and say, he's terrible. No one in the NHL is terrible. Now they might make one terrible play and run bad decision at times. That's going to happen. But if if your analysis of a player is they're terrible, like that's, it's, it's a, it's a lazy analysis because they're not terrible. Right. Well, that's Um, funny too, because I played, uh,
2: this was, I, I mean, pre-pandemic I was playing shinny with some buddies a couple a couple of years ago and a former NHLer that a lot of people would maybe call terrible was on the ice with us and let me tell you one thing a guy who's in the NHL compared <laughs> to just us schlubs going out there and skating around is not yeah. terrible I promise
1: yeah. you I no promise not, you. not at all like it you know what like obviously they're not all McDavid right mm-hmm. so you compare it to that and 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 that's fine um, but I look at like, I don't even know everybody. The other thing is like what you determine a tough question is going to be different than anyone else. So I always, you know, most of the people I every now and then I'll say, okay, well, tell me what a tough question is. And I think honestly, like maybe one out of 20 times I'll get one. And I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty good question. I don't have a problem with that. Um, and it's all how you word the question, right? Like when, um, and the other thing is the scrum format, I just want to say it sucks. I'll say it right now. The scrum format's the Why worst is that? format. Because think about when you're at a party and there's eight people sitting around. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say two of them are really good friends of yours and the other people you kind of know. And somebody asks you a story or an opinion on someone. You're not going to tell the real story because you don't know those people. And here's the truth about the relationship. You have to form a relationship as a media person with each individual player. Some guys I have better relationships than others. Some takes took a lot of time. And then once they trust you, A, you can have a more in-depth conversation. And usually those happen one-on-one because it's, like I hate Zoom because I have some story angles that I want to approach. But now when I ask the question, everybody else can write that angle. It's the worst, right? Yes. So I can't wait till we get rid of the Zoom. And 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 like the head coach is always scrumped and I, and I don't like that either but I understand cuz everybody wants to talk to the head coach it's it's one where I find you can get better stuff one on one I learned that covering the uh the Elks when I first started cuz they have a dressing room of 50 players and mm-hmm. you know they used to have it where you could come in and sit down the dressing room was open for an hour there was media for an hour players would come in and out and you could go talk to a guy Offensive lineman, receiver. And as you, and some days I would just sit beside him and talk. Hey, man, how's this? Like Ed Hervey and I became friends because he was a big sports fan. He actually liked sports talk radio. He grew up in LA. He listened to it all the time. And um, so we started talking about that. Then I found out he's a big Lakers fan. And so then once he got to know me, when I would ask a supposed hard question, he didn't take it like I'm attacking him. But when you're in a scrum and there's 10 people and maybe you don't like some of them. Well, guess what? You're, you're naturally going to be defensive automatically. It doesn't matter who you are. So if, if we could eliminate scrums, it would be much better. Do you guys, I, I mean, this is just getting into the nuts and
2: bolts of it, I guess. Do you guys in the media or just the reporters who are there, the journalists that are there, do you, do you compare what kind of questions you're going to ask ahead of time or does it just kind of flow freely and just what happens Would you get called upon? You, you, you just check something off your list.
1: Yeah, I've never, like, guys I work with, Rashad and I sometimes, because we usually sit beside each other, um, you know, we might div- I say, hey, you know, what are you going to ask them? You know, which, if, if there is, usually when it's, you know, there's something that's going wrong, you be like, okay, how do we approach it? Because sometimes you try to warm up your, the person you're interviewing, right? So you don't come out with guns a in the first question, because you're going to get their back up right? Mm-hmm. So you try to at times, and I learned this is the first question isn't going to, you're not going, you know, throwing a heater high and inside, right? You might, uh, you might throw on soft. So then the person relaxes. They're not tense. And then you can say, Hey, by the way, what happened on that third goal, man, you made a terrible, you know, you made the wrong read. What happened? If you ask that third, you got a much better chance of getting an honest answer than if you come out and say, Hey, uh, you know, you just lost the game. What'd you think of that a third goal? Right. Like the, the, there's still a strat. It's, it's, hu- it's basic human interaction. When, when you talk to someone in any setting of life, it's really yeah. no different. If, if you think that it's your right as an interviewer, like I, I learned a lot, Ron Durdo one of the best instructors I ever had. And, and I'm, I've always tried to live by this. Like when, when I don't like media, you know, people, if you're a reporter who claim all oh, that guy's a terrible interview. And cause some guys aren't great at, at interviews, but guess what? Some people who ask the questions aren't great at asking a question. And so 50% of the interview is on the interviewer, on the reporter. If you don't ask a good question, how can you expect to get a good answer? And I know sometimes when I ask, like a, I'm like, that was a terrible question. No, wasn't, I didn't word that right. I'm not going to get a good answer. I don't blame the guy who I asked because maybe I went on too long or I made a statement rather than a question. You always got to remember the simple who, what, when, where, why. And if you can get that in. Then you got a better chance of getting a better answer. I take pride in my interviews. I think I, I get, I'm a lot better in one on one situations, no question, because um, you, can, you can get more out of any person one on one. 100%. Uh, back to Twitter here Gregor. Gregor, you had the Oilers last
2: week at OilersNation.com making the playoffs. Do you still feel that way or do you regret that
1: article? <laughs> They've played one game. (laughs) Like, trust me, it was a brutal game. Like, But see, that's the problem with the orders. The orders have lost six games in a row, but that six game losing streak has spanned 32 days, right? Like, I think that's what people have to understand. This is usually a six game losing streak is maybe 12 days, right? Maybe two weeks. And it's brutal. It's two weeks, but then it ends. This is coming. When they play Florida on Thursday, that'll be the 33rd day since they won in Seattle before Christmas, right? So you have extended breaks for Christmas. Then you have the 10 day break after Toronto. Now you have another four day break after arguably the worst loss in the organization for at least the last three years, for sure. And I would argue, and is because the decade of darkness doesn't compare because the team sucked. You expected them to lose when you're yeah. up three to one against the 30th place team and you're two, nine and two, and then you gag on it like they did in the third, like, trust me that that's a kick in the nuts, man, for sure. So, um, do, do I, I don't, I don't regret anything like thinking you're going to be right about every prediction, but the orders are still good enough. The LA Kings aren't great. The Anaheim ducks aren't great. The Calgary flames aren't great. You have to look at the opposition. I'm not saying the orders, are, I don't think the orders are going to the cup, but to make the playoffs, isn't a big reach. Like they're not going to go two ten 10 and two in their next 14 games. This stretch is arguably one
2: of the worst stretches we've covered just in terms of OilersNation.com for the vibes around the team and the, the fans in general. You've done this way longer than I have. We worked together at ON a long time, but is this kind of the weirdest
1: slash angriest you've seen the fan base? I think when you have expectations as the fan base should have, as the team had, and you start out 16 and five and, and I say, Hey, I always say, hey, the orders aren't a sixteen and five team because no one's a sixteen and five team over the course yeah. of the year. Very rarity. Obviously, there's been some, but it's rare. Um, to to think that you know the the orders were, were going to win fifty games was unrealistic. But to think that they were going to go two, 10, and two, and, and the fashion they've done it, they can't score first to save their life. Their penalty kill stinks. Their power play has gone in the tank by their standards. Like, it, heck, even their best players by their standards are struggling. Like David doesn't get outscored five on five, right? For for a 14-game stretch. He doesn't only have seven points five on five in a 14-game stretch. Like I'd have to go back and I'd be curious to find out if that's ever happened other than maybe his rookie year, his first 14 games. Honestly, I got to go back and look that up because I doubt it. So um, you know, there everything that could go wrong is going wrong right now. So I understand the frustration. The the, the, this would obviously be more disappointing than because when you have low standards like you did from 2007 to 2016, you, you almost you you accept it. You don't like it as a fan, but you know one well, of the teams just not that good. The team this year is good. They're not great, but they're good, and they definitely should be better than two ten and two. And the longer this extends, the, the the more frustrated fans will be, and I think that's totally valid. I think it's a complete valid to to question it. And uh, at some point, the GM's got to make a move. Like you can't. What are you going to wait to be two fifteen and two? So something's going to have to change here soon. Whether it's a trade, whether it's a coaching change, you got to do something. You can't just say, well, you know what? I think we have. A, you can have a good team, but sometimes you got to shock the system a little bit. I want to touch on
2: uh, some of the stuff you wrote about yesterday and your Help Me Understand article over at OilersNation.com. First, I want to check in on Brendan Perlini. Uh, you said, why isn't he playing more? You know, And I tend to agree with you. What's your take on why Dave Tippett seems to really go heavy on the top six guys, Connor and Leon specifically? I mean, I get it. If you're Mariano Rivera and you got one pitch, you throw that pitch all day. But I also agreed with you that a guy like Perlini is getting some stuff done with very few minutes. What's your take on that?
1: Well, I asked Dave about it yesterday. And, uh, you, know, he's, you know, he said, hey, his play away from the puck, he wants to improve. And I get it that, you know, you don't always focus on that. And, but at the same time, I counter and say, well, you've got other guys who, who might be better away from the puck, but they're not better with the puck. Not even close. Perlini is tied During this 14 game run, he's tied for the lead, for the team lead in five on five goals. And he's only played 57 minutes at five on five. I know I'm talking five on five scoring. So, um, Perlini, like when you say, Hey, you know, the one thing he's really good at is scoring. Well, last I checked scoring goals is the biggest (laughs) ultimate difference maker in the outcome of a game, right? It's like when it's like people can, well, Chris Russell, look at his Fenwick or his expected goals. I don't give a shit. Look at his goals against actual goals that cause teams to win or lose for three years. He's above 50% on a team that isn't good five on five. So maybe at some point in your analysis, if you're all analytics focused, you have to look and say, Hmm, maybe for some players, certain statistics don't really work for them. Right. It's like, uh, Leon Drysettle, remember, oh, his shooting percentage, he'll never sustain that. Well, he's basically being a 20% shooter for his entire career. Some guys are just, he doesn't, he doesn't shoot a lot, but he's good at it. So, um, I look at the, at Perlini and I'm like, Hey, it's, I would have played him earlier. I would have played him more. Uh, and I, don't, now I'm not saying I'm suddenly playing him 19 minutes a night, but when you're in a game and, and he scored, on a quick shot, like he never hesitates, pucks off his stick. Yep. They've played well. They haven't been scored against. Why are you only playing in five minutes? Like I don't, that to me, you had, there a game. And so now the next game is in your top six. And I'm like, well, you got to make a better in-game adjustment. And 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 you can like, and I get that, hey, the, the McLeod line was playing well. And the McDavid and all you know what though? They're, they got their ice time last game based on reputation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying sit McDavid and Drysdale. I'm not an idiot. I'm suggesting that maybe that was one game where you say, guess what? They're only going to play 20 minutes instead of 22, because that other line was going. I'm only, we're only talking a difference of three or four shifts. And and I don't think Perlini's suddenly going to be, you know, I, I hey, I hope he is. Because, like when we talked earlier about interview guys, like Brendan Perlini is one of the most insightful guys I've had on the show. He's very relaxed. His parents have had both his mom and his dad on the show. Like they're just a relaxed family. And, and Perlini though said, "Him leaving the NHL has made him every day in the NHL for him is the greatest day of his life now, sure. right?" And so, and I think he's a, he's he's a great example because there's a lot of people you get in the NHL and it's hard, but then you realize, geez, like hey, this is good and I deserve it. But then when it gets taken away, like anything, right? If all of a sudden, you know, you lose your job and you're like, oh, eh, you know, my job's whatever. Well, suddenly you lose your job. When you get your next job, you're pretty thankful for it and you appreciate it more. Maybe it's like a relationship you're in, you know, you have a girlfriend and a boyfriend. They're like, yeah, they're okay. And then they dump you because you're like, you know what, you're not treating me well. Well, that's either you either you take a step back and look in the mirror and say, hey, I gotta be better or you keep going down the same path. And Brandon Perlini said, "You know what? I could get frustrated or I'm going to enjoy every day in the NHL." And I do wonder though at the same time if Perlini's enjoyment and and, and him being okay with everything almost Tippett's like, "Well, he's never going to get upset, so I don't have to worry about it." Right? And I, and and that's a subconscious thing sometimes, right? Cuz Tippett did talk about how last year the taxi squad, I agree. Now you got like eight guys who are disappointed they aren't playing. And trust me, you're managing personalities and that's hard. So maybe sometimes there's easier guys. Well, you know, geez, I could play, but he's never going to get upset. So it's easier. And you don't even think about it that way rationally, but maybe subconsciously. But I hope Perlini gets a little bit of a run here just to see what he can do. Um, obviously, he's got to be responsible defensively, but he shoots the puck. He shoots the puck, man, and he, can, yep. he gets it off his stick. So I would assume he'll get a few scoring chances playing with 97.
2: One thing that's interesting, uh, since you talked about some minutes here, I'm looking at the recap from the Ottawa and Edmonton game from the other night. The lowest playing forward on the Ottawa Senators was actually Adam Gaudet, and he played nine minutes and twenty. So, and yeah. you compare that to the Oilers side, Brendan Perlini only played five twenty-three. So seemed like Ottawa was rolling their lines a lot more Connor and Leon both had heavy days at 25 and 24 minutes
1: respectively so that's a lot of minutes for a forward and some of it came from that extended power play um you know they were on for a minute shift and and there's another thing at some point you know what if they're on for a minute shift start your second power play unit or call a timeout. like there's got to be some other adjustments uh that I think are kind of easy adjustments. You don't always have to start your top unit, especially if they're fatigued, give them a 30 second thing. Plus also make it a little bit more of a competition and and, and see what happens. So like obviously early in the year, different when you're running at 37%, then you're like, okay, I'm going to start them all the time. But you're only running for them at 18% now for 14 games. So every now and then that's a shock to the system. It's not a major change. And, And I'm not saying it would guarantee that it's success either, but you can't continue to do the exact same thing over and over again when it's not working. So you, you got to try some subtle things to change. And so um obviously when you have McDavid and dry settle, it's very rare that are are going to play less than 20 minutes. And especially if there's games with power plays, right? So I get that. And I, you know what, if they're playing, if they were playing less than 20 minutes, I'd probably be ripping on the coach because they're sure. too good. Right. So, but I would find ways to get other guys involved. And especially a guy like Perlini is scoring. He's got three goals in his last five games. Jesse Pugliarvi has one goal in 12 games. Zach Hyman has, and this is five on five. Hyman has no goals in 11 games. So I'm like, hey guys, like maybe I got to put Brandon Perlini on in the last minute of the game here because right now that guy can score better than some of the other guys. This Oilers run has been obviously difficult to watch in terms of just the record,
2: uh, being outscored at five on five, goals against as we're talking about. What are you seeing from their style of play? Because for me, I get frustrated that the Oilers are in my opinion, trying to play too pretty. I don't see any greasy goals going in for the Oilers right now. Watching a lot of hockey right now, you see teams hacking away at pucks in the crease. You see them digging for goals in there, just really putting the hard at and on and trying to get the garbage goals going. What do you see from the Oilers? What would you love to see change? Because for me, I'd love to see them get a little bit greasier out there. I'd love to see them... Uh, be a little bit more physical. Now, I'm not talking about running a guy over. I don't expect you to always be able to just lay a huge body hit, uh, body check on somebody. But I do expect that you can get into somebody's face a little bit more, make it a little bit harder to play against, even if it's just bumping up on somebody, getting a face wash in there, getting in a scrum a little bit, getting pissed off. What do you see?
1: See, to me, like a lot of people say, I don't like their system. Honestly, there's not much different in systems defensively. To me, it's philosophical. And you have to decide if you say, okay, you know what? And and part of that can come from a coach to say, okay, guys, like we're gonna everybody now. Here's and you know Strutty's talked about this. I've talked to other players about it. Some coaches say, hey, everybody, first period, everybody gets a hit. I know some people say, well, hitting's not important, and and I would politely disagree with that, right? Like Ryan McLeod's a great example. McLeod's a good young player skates, but the way he skates. He doesn't have to run over anybody, but he can finish his checks. Like the first shift against Ottawa, you're 2-9-2. and two. You come flying in. He's great on the four check. The, the defenseman has the puck and McLeod just goes right by him, right? Now he moved the puck, sure, but he was there, easy half second. You deliver a check. A, maybe gets the crowd going in because with his speed... He might be able to hit guys a lot harder than he thinks, right? Mm -hmm. Like Josh Archibald and Drake Kajula, they're not big, but they were good hitters because they followed through and they were, and they were fast skaters. So you don't have to be the biggest guy to do it. But to me, that's a philosophical thing. Um, you know, when, when like getting in the lane to block shots. So you're either in the lane or you're not. If you're very close, you're just not in the lane. And that part of that's got to come from the players themselves. But I also do believe the orders are not construct. They don't have a lot of jerks on their team, right? Yes. 100%. Cassian can be a jerk, but, but Zach's more of a protective jerk. He's, he'll chirp guys, but he's never really been a massive initiator like Andrew Shaws or different guys like that. The like Brendan Gallagher right, like, type, you know? Sure. You know, uh, Matthew Kachuk right? Yep. Um, Kachuk, God love him. He, you know, he reignited the battle of Alberta and when he did Cassian snapped, and then Cassian now he's engaged. Right. And so they need other guys like that. Now Archibald not having him, they miss him. Cause Archibald, remember when Archibald laid out Jordan Greenway uh, in Minnesota, six foot four and the whole bench went nuts. Like sure. little things like that. You have to find ways to change momentum of the game because goals just don't happen often enough. So you can't just be a, oh, there is a nice stick check. Yeah, sure, that's great. That's not really going to get the juices flowing all the time. It's a good play and it's important. And I don't think Edmonton has enough of those guys. I also don't think they have an organizational philosophy that requires that. And so that's something that I would like to see uh, change. But you've got to have some players who can play that way. And and then more so like willing, like to me, the prime example was, and he's not here anymore, was Patrick Russell. I don't know if you ever saw Patrick Russell off the ice. The guy was an Adonis. He was six foot three. He was shredded. (laughs) 215 pounds. Did he ever hit anyone? Like he should have been to run over guys for fun. (laughs) And, and, and he was never instructed. I would have just said, Hey, Patrick, if you finish two, three checks a game, you're going to play. And so challenge the player. And then you have to live up to it as a coach. If you do that and you do it right, you're going to play. And, and so I think like, I look at Tyler Benston and you know, it doesn't have great foot speed, but Benson's trying to reinvent himself. He's trying to be an agitator. He's trying to, so he's willing to pay the price. And right now I think there's some guys who don't, but I also think I don't just blame the players. I blame the the GM and the coach at the same time that I'm not sure they have an organizational philosophy that has them playing a tough, hard, you know, even in your face demanding to say, we want to be a harder team to play against.
2: Would you say the same thing about a shoot first mentality? Because I find, again, I think that the Oilers look past way too much. I would love to see them create their own chaos by, I'm not just saying throw pucks on net when there's nobody in front of the net, because the goalie's going to stop that every single time. But what I would like to see is guys crashing
1: towards the net and throwing some pucks at pads and seeing what happens. Well, and and see, that's kind of twofold. I I think you answered your own question there that you can't put pucks on net if no one's going now, you can shoot the pad sometimes where you come down the right side, you shoot to the to the far right goalie pad, so it comes out for a rebound to the other guy. You can definitely do that. But um, like, you know, Zach Hyman, Yesel Pul Kyler Yamamoto, Like early in the year, I thought they were around the net more. I haven't seen it as much, right? Like, remember early in the year when Pulyarve um you know, he he was in scrums and guys were coming at him and he's six foot four and he had, and he just sticks his arm out. He doesn't have to yep. fight anyone. I don't want him to fight anyone. But yep. he was like, I don't care. I'm not into- we haven't seen that either. Like the Oilers aren't even irritating the other team. And usually you irritate them by just being around the paint, right? Cause you're going to tap the goalie inadvertently or you're going to give him a little extra tap. Like, you know, like Yamamoto's the smallest guy in the team. And I know he was going through an awful funk and he wouldn't shoot. But the thing about Yamamoto is, at least he gets he, he gets it, to quote Todd McClellan. He plays inside of guys. I don't think Edmonton has enough guys to play inside, and I think that really, the reason they don't shoot it. Although the orders actually, you know what? In this losing skid, um, BM they are actually thirteenth in shots on goal per game. So and so they're trying to shoot more. Where they stop shooting, I believe, is on the power play. That's the biggest one. And mainly yeah. ninety-seven. I crunched all the numbers. 97 early in the year, he was shooting almost double you know, that he was on the power play lately. And that can be a confidence thing for for even the best players in the world. All of a sudden, oh geez, I'm looking past. But you you got to get some ugly goals because if even if you just have somebody going to the net, how many times do we see it? It hits off a skate. It's an ugly goal. But as I've always said, there's no there's no pitchers on the score sheet. And if if you're a Zach Hyman, you give two bleeps. If it goes in off your stick top shelf or goes in off your skate and goes across the goal line, you get a goal either way. And for him, he would love it.
2: Well, we had, I mean, Oilers fans know full well it's the reason Oilersnation.com nation.com started. Uh, Ryan Smith was a guy who scored a lot of goals from standing yep. right in front
1: of the net. Uh, As he said, man, there's the, there's bags of money around the crease. You just got to be willing <laughs> to go get them. Uh, another thing I want to touch on is you wrote about Duncan
2: Keith yesterday and how he has been, Very steady for the Oilers. I just want to get your take on that because I agree that he's been better than I expected, to be honest. Um, The contract for me is still problematic, but that's not Keith's fault at this stage. He signed that many, many years ago. What are you seeing from Duncan Keith? Because on your article, the numbers and your eyeballs are both saying, this is a guy that the Oilers need.
1: Well, you're seeing a player who, like, you know, early in the year, I thought Duncan Keith Maybe at times, you know, was trying too hard, right? You want to make a good impression and the orders were winning. So his mistakes weren't a big deal. It's funny. Now they're losing. You don't see a lot of egregious errors from, from Keith, right? On a team that's been getting outscored badly at five on five, he's 10 and six goals for against and he plays what he gets more defensive zone starts and offensive zone starts. We know that usually that it's harder to, to have positive numbers that way. Um, he's a competitor. Like you watch Keith, he's, he's not a huge guy, but he competes. And, and that's just a a desire. And the thing is you heard that from a lot of his teammates in Chicago that he competes hard. And so you, you, you know, people like, well, if he's a leader, I'm like, yeah, but what what do you expect Duncan key to do? Is he going to go around the locker room, grab everyone by the scruff of the neck, compete harder. Like you can't do that, (laughs) right? Like you can challenge guys every now and then, but ultimately when you're on the bench, if so-and-so doesn't want to get in the lane properly to block a shot, you can tell him get in the lane, but then it's up to him to actually get in the lane, right? Like there's still a, 90 percent 95 percent of the onus is on the individual player to do their job right um dunk the thing is even at a 5.5 cap it if you look at all of his numbers and how he's playing there's value in that right like I, and i understand sure you know what uh, maybe if he was less i get all that but I'm, I'm not a big believer in like so if they would have retained a million dollars now he's 4.5 like what's what's that extra million gonna do would the, who would they have signed with that extra million like other than People saying, well, it just looks optically better. Sure, would it have made a massive difference? And I don't think it changes how he's playing. I think he being fine, and they need more guys to have attention to detail. Like, look at certain battles on the ice. That, and there's more, some battles are more important than others. Just like some faceoffs are more important. A neutral zone faceoff can add to your face-off percentage or hurt it, but it doesn't impact the game. Like a defensive zone draw that you lose mm-hmm. cleanly goes back to the point, they shoot and score. Well, that draw, way more impactful right and and the thing about keith is he he is better at impactful battles the meaningful ones he doesn't lose those as often right and and if he does he makes it really hard on the opposition and the other thing about keith that that i been most impressed by is watch his passing he's our best passing defenseman on the team he's quick he gets up sure he misses some passes That's not what a good, every passer, McDavid and Drysaddle miss passes, but watch how many quick, good passes Duncan Keith makes. He's, he's actually been better than I expected here for the last two, for the last two months.
2: Jason, we're going to wrap this up. I want to thank you again for your time, but I've got a bit here on better late than never that I need your input on. As adults, I find that when I was growing up, I didn't understand how much money my parents were spending on groceries, specifically some of the items I was just murdering through. (laughs) Like cheese. Last week on this podcast, I did a full 15 minutes about people telling me what they think is too expensive at the grocery store. For me, it's cheese. For me, it's beef jerky. Love both of them. I will pay any price for both. What are you? Now that you've you know you've got you've got your son, you're a married man, you're out grocery shopping. What's too expensive to you at the grocery store?
1: Well, I know you talk about cheese, and uh, before I get to that, I just have you ever had the uh, balsamic uh, Bellavitino? Uh, I have good. not. See, I don't I have not. I don't skimp on cheese. Another cheese that you need to try is <laughs> coconut gouda. Don't skimp on coconut. You can't get coconut Gouda just at any, you got to go to a, um, I get it at the, uh, (laughs) at the Italian place in in St. Albert, but I'm telling you it's a game changer for anybody listening. Coconut Gouda will change your life to quote Strud's, It's like a bouquet of flavors coming in your mouth. Okay. BM it's unbelievable. (laughs) So uh, cheese, I cheese is one thing I have no problem with the price cause I love cheese, but things that I find that are, uh, they've gotten over. Well, I don't know if you get it really at the grocery store, but windshield wiper fluid. Are you joking? Windshield wiper fluid now is like <laughs> eight bucks at the gas station. <laughs> this thing used to be like a dollar 99. So, um, I would say windshield wiper fluid to me, it's the biggest rip off going, uh, right now. But, uh, for actual food that, uh, um, Wow, I have a sweet tooth. So the uh, the the increase in the price of Jubes lately is really annoying me. I've tried to cut <laughs> them out, so now I can't. I don't I don't get them as often. So that that one kind of pisses me off. And vac- oh, but anything organic because most yes. of it. Now some of organic stuff is organic. I question a lot of it. Well, only so- because like as like organic beef as a farmer. So we have our cows. Our cows are grass fed. And I feed them a little bit of grain and some salt because it's good for them, right? It's good for their for their coat and everything. And but they're not considered organic by the rules. Give me a break. So, just I do have a real issue with quote organic beef because I find some of it's a uh, it's false advertising, and well, you actually, pay way my-
2: too much for that. Well, actually, my old man is a beekeeper. That's one of his hobbies that he's done for, at this point, probably 45 years. And he always laughs, too, when he goes to a store and says or, sees organic honey. He's like, oh, yeah. did, they have, did they have little <laughs> leashes on the bees to prevent them from going to a different field? Like, how yes. is this organic? It's, it's yes very,
1: very that uh oh, that's a really good one man organic honey yeah like it's a people like to think they're eating healthy and i always this is my biggest recommend read the ingredients on anything because there's i wish like we could go on a whole tangent here about our government and what they don't right like imagine if they actually man mandated that the uh the food industry be legit in what they sell that would be great
2: wouldn't it uh, just the last question before I let you go here. Jason Greger, of course, from the Jason Greger show, OilersNation.com and the DFO rundown. Right now I find that uh, covering the oilers is not very much fun. So I like to look for different things to do. There's the coconut gouda. I'm I'm gonna go. Yeah, here's that. the here's the
1: cheese, buddy. See, here you go. we're on Zoom, people can't see us, but there it is. This is this isn't the this isn't the coconut gouda, but this is the balsamic bellatino. Oh, I balsamic. brought it down because I thought you were gonna ask me about cheese.
2: Well, I might take a screenshot of that just to post up on socials because I am a big, big cheese guy. Um, I want to know what you're doing to relax these days. You talked about the farm. Is that something that you do that's relaxing for you to go out there and work with the animals? I'm just tinkering with instruments. I've got picked up doodling, which I used to do in high school, just to kind of zone out and reset the brain a little bit. What are you doing when you're uh, when you need a little reset?
1: Yeah, my wife laughs at me when I'm like, I got to go to the farm. It's relaxing. Um, and it is for me you, you get outside the cows don't they don't care who you're like dude feed me and um i just like it that uh it's been a little bit uh chilly this uh this winter lately so i don't love having to feed the cows uh when it's minus 30 but you know you put on the belaclava and, and away you go uh I, I it's it's relaxing for me we got a skidoo out there so you can go sledding uh, a little bit the other thing actually right now is uh, uh my son a friend of ours gave him a ps3 he's eight years old we've never we've never had a video game before and uh him and i have been playing together we, we I, I limit them we're only allowed to play for like 25 30 minutes and we don't play every day usually about three four times a week and uh it's this i don't even know the name. it's like a lego um uh, super um heroes game mm-hmm. and they're dude there's like i don't know how many levels you got to get like 250 of these bricks and i think we're at like 50 and uh, but every time you get to a new level, you get one of the new characters, right? So we've got Doctor Doom. I'm learning all about the new characters that I'd never even heard of. I'm like, sure. like when I was a kid, we had Spider Man and Electro and the Vulture, and you know that was that was kind of the the go tos for me. But now they've got way more, you know, Iron Man and stuff. So that's that's actually been pretty fun. Uh, you know, we kind of it's funny because my wife's like, "You two idiots," we'll be at breakfast, and my son will be like, "Dad." we got to do this to try to get into this uh, area and beat this guy. And she's like, what are you guys talking about? Oh, just a video game. And she rolls her eyes. So it's a, uh, it's fun little uh, father son bonding time. Cause we play as a team and um, you know, if one of us, you know, beats a guy or something, there's like a high five. So it's a lot of fun.
2: There we have it. Jason Greger again from the Jason Greger show every day on TSN 1260, the DFO rundown Monday and Friday. And of course, oilersnation.com. last one score prediction against the Panthers tomorrow.
1: You know, when I actually looked this up, the the Panthers, here's a funny stat for you. They've only lost eight games in regulation all year. But do you know they've never lost one regulation game in a row? They've lost two, two, and three. And then they lost to Calgary. So dare to dream, Oilers Nation. Dare to dream. And one time they lost eight, two to the Kings, and then lost four to one to Ottawa. So even though they got spanked by Calgary, um, I will say the Oilers shock Oilers Nation and uh, skate away with a,
2: four three victory maybe that's a not so obvious game day prediction right there jason gregor thank you very much for being my guest today anytime buddy i'd like to thank jason gregor for jumping on and spending in uh, some time with me to talk about the oilers life on the farm a little bit of cheese talk we all love cheese talk but you know what time it is time for the voicemail We've got some fresh voicemails coming in. <music> do, 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 do. Voicemails coming in. Let's check it out from the last week or so. A uh, bunch of things. I don't really know what these are. Again, if you want to chime in, if you want to join in the podcast, I would love to have you. I don't generally listen to these beforehand, but I will tell you, if you just say something stupid, I'm not going to play it. Deal? Deal? deal let's get to the voicemails let's see what we got
0: hey bag milk um having trouble finding your new podcast um i don't use apple podcasts and i can't find it is that just because it's not quite up and running yet or is it only going to be available on certain platforms can you maybe address that today on the show i'll see if i can find it right off of twitter uh really a big fan um very disgusted Oiler fan right now. It's about time that Mike Smith maybe does what, uh, the coach did in Winnipeg and realize he just can't do it anymore and do its best for the team and retire. I'm hoping Duncan Keith does that next year too because nobody can convince me that that guy has lived up to the bill of 5.75 million or wherever he, he works. He's soft. He gives the puck up. Uh,
2: didn't I play this last week? Did I not update? Let me see here. Let me check out what clip number. Let's, let's check this one out.
0: I want you to spill your milk all over me.
2: <laughs> uh, hello. Hey now. Um, I don't even know how to respond to that, to be honest. One more time.
0: I want you to spill your milk all over me.
2: We are getting greasy in these streets right now, folks. Um, well, thank you, Ms. Collar. I don't know who you are. There's no name on that one, but thank you for being a fan, to put it lightly. Check uh clip number two or three. I don't know. I think I played that last one last the first one last week, but I don't know. Bonjour Mr. Melk. For Dutch cheese, you like Dobri, or be better with bleu, maybe the fromage from a can. Go in mouth like (laughs) <laughs> you guys are the best. Uh, do I like blue cheese? I'll eat that in salad, but like blue cheese isn't one of those ones where you can just crack off a chunk and have at her. Like that is not the cheese for you. If you were looking to do that, I'll do that with a feta. I will take a cheddar. I will do all kinds of things. Although I gotta check out some of that cheese that Gregor was talking about. A coconut gouda? My
0: Hey, bag milk. Uh, this message is gonna be one of a back to back, but um, I just had some thoughts about the podcast. Uh, it sounds really, really good so far. And I, I like what you're doing in terms of the soundboard and uh, your planning and all that good stuff. And the, the, as a podcast itself, it seems great. I think access to it is a little bit uh, confusing, uh, especially the voicemail um i was thinking that maybe there's a chance you could add like a link tree into your uh bio on instagram and it would be better um, accessible to some people that don't know exactly where they're heading oh, that's good idea. so um, you can just uh click on it and you'll have links to both uh the podcast the Oilers Nation radio podcast and uh, maybe you could throw something in there for Arcadia Brewing as well. Uh, shout out Arcadia Brewing. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think making it a little bit more accessible, especially the voicemail side of things, uh, would be nice uh, as opposed to having to go to OilersNation, uh, dot com, uh every single time for the voicemail itself.
2: You know what? I can absolutely do that. I think that's a great idea, to be honest. I will 100%, 2,000% set up a link tree for this that will have ON radio. It'll have real life. It'll have the voicemail for this one. It'll have Arcadia Brewing, which we obviously love. We want to give them a shout-out. ArcadiaGag.com. That's what their link is. That's their website. Go check it out. I can absolutely do that. No question. We'll set that up today.
0: Hey, Bag Milk. Uh, It's Dan. Finally recording that second half that I told you about there. Um, after our colossal collapse yesterday, um, what do we do now? Um, obviously you had mentioned on Twitter that there's going to be a press conference very soon, Whoops, and I don't know the results of this, obviously, because it hasn't come out yet, um, so this might change the value of this question, but, um, (laughs) if the Oilers don't do something now, what stars... Start demanding trades out of the city, um, is my greatest fear and question for you. Um, as I think all of us, the only reason that Oilers fans in general are in a major panic is aside from us wanting to win, I feel like most people are stressed or worried about Connor. Having second thoughts on staying here past his tenure, Leon staying past his contract here, you know, just losing everything uh, all because of poor management and association with the organization, especially some of the things that have gone on like last summer with Bear. Uh, your thoughts on this thing?
2: Uh, well, obviously I'm concerned about Connor and Leon too. I think fans have every right to be concerned about those two. The ones that I wonder why they don't seem to be concerned about those two is the management. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there. That's all conjecture. I, I hope that something turns around here because I'm with you. Those two are the pillars of this team. And I feel like they're being disrespected at this stage in their career. They need better uh, overall depth around them. And then, first of all, whoopsie-daisies on that press conference announcement. That is my bad. I will own that one. I will wear it. I will own it. I tweeted out that there might have been a press conference that would have been on Monday. It did not happen. The source that I had on that was good, but the info was bad. Yet, I put it out there, and I will take everything that comes my way because of it. It's official. You suck. I agree. I apologize. I'm sorry. I really, really am. I was hoping for some changes, but what was interesting is I owned it. I jumped out in front of it. I said, listen, I was wrong. I apologize. Everybody, uh, that's my bad. Hit me with all you got, and I will take it because I deserved it. But... The interesting thing that happened was a lot of Oilers fans, they didn't really seem to care too, too much that I was wrong. What they cared mostly about was that the organization didn't do anything. They cared mostly about the organization just staying with the status quo at a time when the team has lost 12 or 14 games. And I think that's what pissed a lot of Oilers fans off. And... I can't say I blame them, you know? I really, really can't say I blame them because that was one of those ones where it was an ugly law. Lo- uh, the loss to the senators was ugly. Nothing seems to be changing, but maybe something should. We'll see. Yeah, I just want to. Oh my God. I don't, I apologize if that's your clip. I don't know whose that is, but I'm not going to, the, the sound is weird. I'm going to move on to the last one.
0: Hello, Mr. Milk benjamin dover with the edmonton examiner <laughs> who do you think is the worst Oilers <laughs> nation fan is it alan kramer it's okay if it is you can tell me why aren't you saying alan kramer why are you so pissy i am in the hall of fame i ask the tough questions and drink my prune juice i am the matlock of reporting i have white hair and just peed myself why are you so pissy
2: uh was that you alan kramer who's the worst nation citizen i don't know Probably me at this point, after I gave up, uh I gave a bunch of people hope, I gave a bunch of people hope that there was going to be a press conference last week, so I'll say I am. Ooh. I was just like looking at my mentions over the weekend and there was just people like on edge about it, so I was just, hey, that's my bad. I apologize for, we're loading the gun not guns loaded so i apologize to all of you for that one that is a no bueno so there goes the voicemail for this week i will put together a link tree i will put together something for you so that it's a little bit easier to find and i promise we will get to that before next week that's the voicemail Since this podcast is now over an hour long, I'm just going to end it off by saying thank you to Arcadia Brewing Co. Again, you are my angels that jumped on here, despite the fact that I didn't really have anything going on. And for that, I thank you. I do encourage you to go check them out, though, on Instagram and Twitter, Arcadia Brewing Co. Again, there is trivia going on on Monday, January 24th at Arcadia. $10 per team, one of four people. Win some. Prizes, have a drink, have some food. Arcadia sent me over some gear this week. I'm very, very excited about it. The hoodie is dope. The crew neck is dope. I am going to look stylish. Miss Milk is going to be super excited on me. She is going to be like, Ooh, you look so good in that. Thank you, Arcadia. Or maybe she won't even recognize me at all.
0: Wait a minute. Who are you?
2: I am Bag Milk. This is Better Late Than Never, and I just want to say once again, thank you for listening. This is episode three. Thank you to Jason Gregor for jumping on. Thank you to all of you for the voicemails. Keep them coming in. Let's chat next week.